Well, it is fantastic to be here. Um, it really is. This is a church that is near and dear to our heart. Um, you know, Eric's claim to fame here in America is that he shared an office with me. My claim to fame in the UAE is I shared an office with Eric. So uh, he is, no, in all seriousness, uh, Eric has visited us and we were blessed by him. He encouraged us in the short-term team that went out a couple years ago. Josh was there as well. Um, and so it's just a, a sweet relationship that we have with Castleton Community Church. Um, uh, before I get into what the Lord has put on my heart to share, just want to share a little bit about our family. Um, not all of our family is here. My son Owen's a little bit sick this morning, so we kept them home. But this is my family, so you can see my wife, Laura, and May, Karis, and Owen. And that's the front door of our house uh, in the UAE. So we stay in the city of Alain, uh, which we started off in Dubai and were there for about a year and a half. And then for the last uh, really three years, we've been in Alain, which is about an hour into the desert. There I pastor an English-speaking multi-ethnic church. So the UAE is a very diverse place. So about 90% of the population of 10 million people are expats. And so English is the national language along with Arabic. And so because there's so many expats there, the Lord has allowed for us and the government has allowed for us to have churches there. And so uh, if you go to Dubai, Dubai is going to have the skyscrapers that you've all seen. Where I am, it looks like this. So our buildings are a lot shorter, so they actually put a cap on it. But this goes for miles and miles and miles, or kilometers and kilometers and kilometers, as we say. Um, and there's actually three quarters of a million people in our city still. Alain is, in many ways, the Arabic capital of the UAE. If Dubai is kind of the tourist, kind of world capital that you think about, Alain is the cultural capital. And I pastor a small English-speaking church called Redeemer Alain, along with another pastor. Uh, we have been meeting uh, since July in a building, July 2020, in this building there, coming out of COVID. I was here last April, so I was able to share a little bit of where we were at that time, we didn't have any families. We were sitting one person per two meters. Over the last year, there's been some opening up, uh, but it still has been pretty restrictive. And so you can pray for us. We actually, just this last week, got news that we will, Lord willing, be able to go back to our previous place of worship where we were meeting at, at a better time in a different location uh, when I get back on July 23rd. And so uh, we're excited uh, about that and excited to see how the Lord has been working. We have members from all over the world. We're blessed to be able to be a very diverse place. With that, let me pray before we jump in, and then we're going to be looking at not just Philippians 2, what Ryu read for us. We're actually going to be looking at all of Philippians. So I have slides, um, but uh, Tommy was gracious to give me two hours this morning, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take every minute of it. Um, let me pray. Lord, we thank you for the work that you are doing, just as we have already heard, Lord, uh, we are joining in with what you are doing. You are working in and through us, but Lord, we don't presume to be the ones that are the heroes. Lord, you are the one who is saving sinners. You are the one who has purchased Jesus, a people from every tongue and tribe and language and nation. And this morning, as we celebrate the work that you are doing and learn more about it, Lord, we ask that you would be glorified in and through us today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
By my count, this is the fourth time that I've preached at Castleton Community Church, which is a privilege, it's an honor, and in many ways, it's an example of what I'm going to be speaking about this morning, of partnerships in the gospel. But it's also interesting to preach four different mission sermons, because it's easy to have one mission sermon that you preach everywhere. What I get the privilege of being able to do with you is actually walk through some areas of mission, and my hope is that not just you would be inspired and encouraged to see the work that God's doing among the nations, but that you would be trained to think about how to think about missions, how to participate in missions, in an informed and an intelligent way. In many ways, it's a privilege to be able to be part of your mission's discipleship, having had four opportunities to do this. Laura and I love this church. This church has partnered with us for four and a half years that we've been on the field, for longer than that if you include the time that we were support raising here in the States. Uh, I shared an office with Eric, Luke Jones and I were residents together as well. I remember when Tommy, I was still at College Park, when Tommy was hired to be the pastor here, and so it's just a dear church to us, and I'm very, very thankful to be able to share. And my aim this morning from Philippians, I'm going to skip over that picture, is this. It is to show you that in order to reach the nations with the gospel, the local church needs partnerships both internationally and locally. So if you're going to reach the nations with the gospel, you're going to need partnerships. Partnerships internationally and also locally. And to see this, what we're going to be doing is we're just going to be walking through the book of Philippians and seeing the partnerships that are there. Philippians is loaded with partnerships. And so we're not going to do a whole study of the book of Philippians. We're going to have our eye looking at the different partnership relationships, the, the fellowship relationship, the working relationships that we see in Philippians. And we're going to see how that shapes the way we should think about partnerships and missions. So we're going to see three aspects of partnerships this morning. First, partnerships in Philippians, just we're going to see seven different types of partnerships. Then we're going to look at partnerships internationally, and then we're going to close with partnerships locally. Partnerships in Philippians, partnerships internationally, and partnerships locally. So first, let's look at partnerships in Philippians. When I was preparing to move to the UAE, I lived in the book of Philippians. So I had, we moved in with my parents about 45 minutes away from College Park, and so I was commuting regularly, and I would just listen to this book on repeat, just letting it shape the way I thought about the task that God was calling us to. And the reason is because partnerships are key to Philippians. Um, if I recall right, Tommy's preached on Philippians 2 already in connection with missions because we gain a significant understanding of how fellow workers work together to see the gospel advance from the book of Philippians. And so this book, more than any other missions book or more than any other fundraising book, when I was support raising, helped me to think through, what am I calling people to? What sort of relationship am I entering into as we were going to the UAE? We're going to be walking through seven different aspects of partnerships. And my hope is that we can lay the foundation in this first point and then draw out implications in the next two points. So the first aspect of partnership that we see in Philippians is that partnerships are grounded in our partaking of the gospel of Christ Jesus and in the spirit of God. I know it's a mouthful. 
Partnerships are grounded in the fact that we are partners, partakers together in the gospel of Jesus Christ and in the spirit of God. What this means is that before you subjectively enter into relationships with one another, we are objectively united to one another. Partnerships exist between believers whether we feel it or not, whether we verbally agree to it or not. We are all partakers in the gospel. We are all partakers in the spirit. They are not chiefly based upon strategy. They're not chiefly based upon shared interest. They're based upon the work that God has done. Where do we see this in Philippians? Well, right away off the bat. Paul says in verse 3 of chapter 1, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace. So Paul's affection for the Philippians is not chiefly in what they have done for him. Now, he does feel affection because of the special relationship that he has with him, but that's not the thing that he grounds his affection in. Paul feels deeply for the Philippians. Why? Because they are partakers of grace with him. They are partners in the gospel. His affection is not grounded in what they have done for him, but on what God has done for them. And this affects the way that we relate to one another. The reason why Christians try to maintain unity, why we try to have good partnerships, meaningful relationships, is because we are maintaining what God has already done in our unity in the Lord and in the work of the gospel. We relate to one another, not merely as people with a common goal, but as people whose names are together written in the book of life. We see this in Philippians 4. The reason that Paul, there's these two women who are feuding in the church, and the reason that Paul says you should be together is because they already have unity together. It's because they are already partners. Paul says, I entreat Yodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I also ask you, true companion, as someone in the Philippian church that Paul's entreating to help with this. He says, help these women. Who are these women? These women have labored side by side with me in the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. So we are objectively united together. We start there in our partnership understanding in Philippians. We are fellow workers and fellow members of a family. We labor side by side in the gospel because God has saved us into his family. Partnerships are grounded in the gospel. The second thing that we see in Philippians is that partnerships seek mutual encouragement. We don't approach these sorts of partnerships as merely consumers trying to get the most out of the relationship for us. Instead, we seek to mutually encourage one another. Both sides of the relationship seek the good of the other. When Paul considered, this is one of those amazing texts that you can just live in, when Paul considered the glory of going to be with Jesus, 
the surpassing greatness of being in the presence of Christ, he still had the Philippian church in mind. And in fact, he said, I actually, while personally I'd rather be with Christ, I'm thinking of you. And for your sake, it's better that I remain. Listen to what he says in chapter one. He says, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which shall I choose? I cannot tell. I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that's far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. So that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Paul says, I want to be with Christ, but I care about you. And so while I want to be with Christ, my desire is to be with Christ, it's better that I remain for your progress, for your following Jesus. And so convinced of this, that's what I'm praying into. That's what I'm leaning into. And in this partnership, this unity that they have, the Philippians themselves thought about the way that they lived and said, how can we encourage Paul in the way that he is living? We see this in chapter 2. Paul says, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. As the Philippian church is united, they are contributing to Paul's joy. They are building Paul up in his joy in the Lord. They are, through their united living, are being a benefit and blessing to Paul. One implication for this is that we don't simply use one another as a means to an end in our relationship as Christians. Right? I go a whole different direction how this applies to every other aspect of our relationships, but this can especially be a temptation for missions. We can see this on the church's end for missions. You have churches who say, well, we want to be known as a church that cares about missions, so we'd better find some missionaries, and we'd better send them some money so that we can put their pictures on our wall and build our brand as a church that cares about missions. We don't actually care about what they're doing, but we want to have a reputation. Well, do you actually care about their good? Are you committed to those missionaries? Or do you simply care about your reputation as a church? And from the missionary side, it can be very easy to say, we need to eat. <laughs> we need to pay our bills. We need to do what God is calling us to, so we better find some people with money that can support us. But do you care about them more than their money? Are you willing to be open with your life, to seek their counsel and their input, to be transparent and to ask for prayer in ways that are significant because you see it truly as a partnership? I praise God that I can say that and those exist, but that is not true of Castleton Community Church from my experience. This church dearly is committed to the missionaries that it supports and sends out. And I pray that Laura and I would not be the sort of missionaries that would only be in it 
for what we can get from the church, but that we would be dearly committed to this church as well. And this ties with the next thing that we see in partnerships. Partnerships marked by the gospel are marked by giving and receiving. Paul says in Philippians 4, it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians know yourselves that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. The Philippians gave to Paul. In a moment, we'll see how costly that gift was. And the Philippians received from Paul. This letter itself is an example of them receiving from Paul. Paul also gave and received from the Philippians. It was a two-way street. And that's what I love about our relationship with this church. Because I hope in some small way, that's happening right now. That there's a giving and a receiving. We are blessed by you as we serve in the UAE. And I hope that we get to come back and not just keep our work going in the UAE, but we get to come back and bless you with our presence here. You guys provide opportunities of giving and receiving regularly. Whether it's through short-term teams that have come out. Tommy's visited us, Luke, Eric have come out whether it's through the monthly Barnabas team prayer call, that's been such an encouragement and such a joy. It's been sweet to be able to get to know the Fultz family through those prayer calls. Whether it's through regular prayer requests, financial giving, a commitment to us that is deep and mutual. We love this church and are thankful for it. We even see this with opportunities like global residence. I hope you realize as a church how unique something like that is. I've told many churches when we've been back about what you guys have done with Ryu and his family. You have been a blessing to Ryu and his family. But you are also blessed by Ryu and his family. It's a partnership of giving and receiving. Fourth, partnerships fuel intercessory prayer. The tie that connects us in the gospel drives us to pray for one another. We see this in Philippians 1. Paul says, I know that through your prayers, Paul's in prison when he's writing this, and he says, I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of God, this will turn out for my deliverance. The way in which Paul would be delivered or the way in which Christ would be honored in Paul's body by life or death was through the prayers of the Philippians. Praying is a form of partnering. It's never the lowest thing you can do, at least I can pray. It's a significant thing that you can do. It's a thing that sets people free from jail, that allows people to persevere to the end, that furthers the mission and encouragement. As the Philippians prayed for Paul, Christ was honored in Paul's body. The fifth thing we see is that partnerships help us to follow Jesus more faithfully. Philippians 3, Paul says, Join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Now this doesn't have the word partner in it or partaker in it, but you can see the connection here. The reason that they could imitate Paul is because they were in a relationship with Paul. And Paul assumes that they're going to be in relationship with other people who look like Paul. 
who live according to the example that they have in Paul. And when the Philippians looked at the Apostle Paul's life, they were helped in their following of Jesus. It wasn't merely his teaching. It was the way in which he lived. Paul was driven by his ambition to preach Christ where Christ was not known. As you read through the New Testament, as you read through the book of Acts, I just finished it up in my devotions a couple weeks ago, Paul is absolutely driven by his desire to preach Christ where he has not been named. And you can almost imagine Paul feeling tempted the way that many missionaries can feel tempted when we've gone out for the sake of the lost. And we think, sometimes there's a Christian bubble that can just keep us back. And what I want to do is I want to make Christ known where he's not. So I, I, I don't have time for other believers. I'm there for the unreached. I'm there for those who have not heard the name Christ. I've had people tell us that in the UAE. And I can understand where they're coming from. And in one sense, we do need to be strategic with how we spend our time. There can be a Christian bubble that we can live in when we don't know those around us. But we never see Paul's ambition to preach Christ where he has not been named cutting against his relationship with other believers. Paul went out where Christ was not named. He planted churches. He then went out to other places, planted churches. But he maintained fellowship with those churches. He visited those churches. He wrote letters to those churches. He walked alongside believers in those churches to help them follow Jesus. As we are in relationship with one another, following Christ together, what we see is that we help each other follow Jesus more faithfully. God is, saved, is glorified, not just when sinners are saved, but when sinners are sanctified as well. And so partnerships are a way of helping that happen. And through these partnerships, helping people to follow Jesus more faithfully, we see our sixth truth is that partnerships also serve to advance the gospel in the hardest places. Paul was in jail when he wrote this letter, and he says that even his being in jail, it has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Paul's in prison, but this serves to advance the gospel. And that's not only because Paul is able to share with the people that are around him. It's because people look on at Paul, they recognize that he is limited in his ability, and they say, we're going to take the gospel as well. We've been trained by Paul, we've been equipped by Paul, we care about the things that Paul cares about, and so having had that, we are going to be emboldened to speak the word without fear. The gospel, because of partnerships, could go forward even when the chief leader, in many ways, of this mission was in jail. The gospel still advances because it's not tied to an individual. And finally, Philippians reminds us that partnerships are costly. They are costly. Just listen to how Paul describes Epaphroditus who the Philippians sent to Paul as Paul sends him back to his church. He'd received Epaphroditus, now he's sending him back. He says this, I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier 
and your messenger and minister to my needs. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. It cost the Philippians money to send Epaphroditus. Travel in the first century was long, it was dangerous, and it was expensive. And so to send someone on this journey was expensive financially. But it also cost them in volunteer manpower. Likely Epaphroditus was a leader in the church. So this church became shorthanded on the ground in Philippi in order to encourage Paul while he's in prison. Epaphros Epaphroditus' partnership with Paul nearly cost him his life. He was ill, near to the point of death. He risked his life to complete what was lacking in the Philippian service to Paul. And because of this, it cost Paul significant emotional stress. Had he died, Paul would have had sorrow upon sorrow, he says. Church, in many ways, funding is the easiest part of the relationship. The most difficult part of the partnership relationship is walking alongside people through discouragement, walking alongside people through sickness, walking alongside people through despair, through sin, walking alongside people through suffering. That's the cost of gospel partnership. To walk alongside someone and carry their burdens, to care about them as individuals, not just pictures on a map, to risk the hurt and the shame and the joy of bringing people into deeper areas of life, that has a cost to it. And Philippians reminds us that it's worth it. That it is absolutely worth it because the nations will not be reached without that sort of cost. All of this leads to implications for partnership. Partnership internationally, and partnership locally. So we're going to wrap up with those two implications. And the first we're going to see is partnerships internationally. How does this come to bear upon the way that we, in the 21st century, think about global missions? And this is the one sort of partnership, international partnership, that most of us think about when we think about missions and partnerships. How does Philippians help us to understand the way that churches and individuals partner together in order to reach reach the nations with the gospel of Christ. Well, we see that there's a partnership of going and sending. Right? That's, that's inherent to what we've been seeing. You all live in Indianapolis. Some of us live outside of Indianapolis. We have been sent out or supported. We've gone to places while you have not. The partnership that we have is some go and some send. The Philippians all didn't say, hey, road trip, y'all. We're going to go visit Paul in jail. They sent Epaphroditus. 
he served as a representative on their behalf. In his care for Paul, the Philippians were caring for Paul. He wasn't merely an isolated individual. As Castleton Community Church sends out and supports missionaries, those missionaries become representatives of your church in their area of service. We really believe that in some way we are representatives of Castleton Community Church in the UAE. That as we do things, we don't simply do things as the Humphreys. We do things as your hands and feet overseas. When short-term teams travel to visit missionaries, they serve as representatives of the church. I pray that some of you in this congregation choose to be those sort of representatives. That over the next two weeks, you catch a vision for what God's doing among the nations. And you say, I want to be a part of that in a going sense. I want to go out and see the nations reached by my going. It is a hard task, but it is a glorious task. I pray that you will go, some of you. But I want you to know that if you do go, you don't go merely as isolated individuals going to the work that God has individually called you to. You go as representatives of a church. And therefore, you should care about the things that this church cares about. You should align yourself with the vision and goals of this church. Can you imagine if Epaphroditus was like, look, I know that Paul's really discouraged, but I've heard some really hard things going on in Peter's life also. So I'm going to take a detour, and I'm going to go encourage Peter because Lord knows he needs it. He stumbled again. He's put his foot in his mouth. I heard Paul say some mean things to him. So I'm going to be a blessing to Peter. The Philippians would be like, you're not doing what we sent you to do. Epaphroditus was a representative of those people. Not everyone is called to go overseas for the sake of the nations, but you can be involved in it by sending in the way that Epaphroditus was sent. By praying, financially supporting, going yourself on short-term teams to help bless those overseas. And if you're here, one of the things that you should do for your discipleship is you should think about the work that's going on among the nations so that you can be a more equipped sender, so that you can send strategically and in line with what this church's vision is. And this ties to the second partnership that we see, a partnership of giving and receiving. One of the ways that missionaries are sent out is through financial assistance. The Philippians supported Paul financially. They gave him early on in his journey. They supported Epaphroditus to be able to go there. Financial giving is more than simply currency. It shows relationship and commitment. Right? When we give, often our heart goes with it. Jesus says that. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. One of the ways that you can be involved in deeper ways is giving to the work of missions. Whether that's for good news to India, an organization like that, whether that's to individual missionaries, whether that's giving generously to your church so that the church can be able to give. When we give, we are able to tie ourselves in committed ways to the work of missions. And the final thing that we see with partnerships internationally is that it involves a partnership of praying and encouraging. 
just as Paul really believed that the Philippians' prayer was going to do something in his life, I believe that we have baptized people in the UAE because of the prayers of Castle and Community Church. I really believe that. I don't know how it all works together, but I do know that had this church not been praying, our work would not have been as effective. And so by praying, we really are encouraging. I believe that one of the reasons why Laura and I have kept going over the last two and a half years of very, very difficult ministry during COVID is because y'all have prayed for us for encouragement. I know Don and Terry, as they faithfully led the Barnabas team, have encouraged us. There you're sitting. I thought you were sitting right there, but you're sitting over there. You've encouraged us. Your regular commitment to gather people together to pray has been a means of us staying on the field. And so as we pray for missionaries, as we pray for the work of the nations, the churches that are already there, the Christians that are already there, not just those we've sent out, but those who are already on the field, we help to advance the gospel by keeping people on the field. Paul says in Romans 10 that no one will hear the gospel unless someone is sent out to preach the gospel. Without the work of international partnerships, the nations will not be glad in Christ. But international partnerships are only part of the story. And what I want to close with is by looking at partnerships locally. Now, this certainly applies to local partnerships in, in, in Indianapolis, but that's not actually what I have in mind. This is where I want to help you guys get a feel for what it's like to actually be overseas. Because when you send someone out, as John shared this morning, often you're sending someone out to serve in an area that God's already been working. And so I want to talk about local partnerships over there. The sort of partnerships that you have on the field once people go, or once you send people there. Partnerships that missionaries have with other believers in their city of service. One of the great dangers that missionaries can have when we move overseas is that we've been spending the last year usually by ourselves, right? meeting with churches by ourselves, casting vision by ourselves for this work that God's called us to that we are not actually experts in because we haven't gone yet. And so we do all this and we move to an area of service and we think, great, we've been waiting. You guys have been waiting for us. You may not have known it, but you've been waiting for us this last year. We're the heroes. We're coming. Let's share the gospel. That's a temptation. I'm, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but we can all feel that way. Right? But the reality is that unless you're truly going to a place that has zero Christians, you are going to a place where you can have partnerships on the ground. So you should not go merely by yourself as an isolated individual doing the only work that you've been called to. And I can testify that even those places that are some of the hardest read places, whether it's Somalia, Afghanistan, China, India, you go to some of those places, God's been working. There are Christians there that may be few. They may be among the expat population. But there are people that you can partner with in order to see the gospel advance. As Western Christians, we should not assume that we are the only ones who are able to save the nations. The Western church has been blessed by God in many ways. The Western church does have a role to play in global missions. But we are not the heroes. Jesus is the hero. By his blood, he has purchased a people 
from every tongue, tribe, nation. Jesus has sent out his spirit to begin drawing people to himself, going before us. He is the hero of the story, and we join in to the work that he is doing and are used by him. And in many places, there are men and women of faith sacrificially serving from other cultures that we should enter into partnership with and see how we can have a relationship together to see all the good things that Philippians teaches us happen in their life as well. A year and a half ago, our church had an Afghan seeker reach out to our church's Facebook page. We've paid for Facebook ads as well. They don't, they don't work as well for us. But reach out for our church's Facebook page. He spoke a language that no one on staff spoke. He was interested in learning more about following Jesus. Well, what do you do? We don't speak his language. But because we had people in our church who did speak his language, we were able to connect him with these people so that he could hear the gospel in his own language. We had the privilege of seeing him baptized. And a week before we came back to the U.S., we had the privilege of seeing him marry one of our members from another culture, or from another country, but from his own culture. That would not have happened if we assumed that we were the only ones that can do the work of God. If I said, I must be the first-hand person in this relationship, because it sure looks good when I can write that in my prayer letters. By being able to take a step back and connect him with people who were able to serve, we were able to see someone from one of the most unreached people groups in the world, baptized, discipled, and eventually married. We have people in our church who are working alongside and working for the salvation of people from Afghanistan, of Emiratis, of Indians, of Nigerians, of Pakistanis, of Filipinos, of Ugandans. Some of those people are from that culture and are indigenous to it. Others are outside workers who have come in to see them reached. I speak none of those languages. And yet because we have people we are able to see them mobilized, sent out, and to enter into partnership to be able to see the gospel go forward and to see sinners from all different people groups saved. Not all ministry settings have that level of diversity. I'm aware of that. But that doesn't mean that local partnerships on the field aren't possible. Just look at what's happening in Thailand, like John shared. You all are being able to experience this through Ryu. The partnership of meeting together with local leaders, of training up and giving out authority to local ties, of being able to have ties be trained and then sent back to be able to minister. Same thing's happening in Good News for India. Just because your context may not be as diverse as the UAE doesn't mean there's not partnerships that can't exist and can flourish. These sorts of partnerships help to show the unity of the global church. These sorts of partnerships help to ensure the longevity of the global church. We saw that. When, when Paul's in prison, the gospel can go forward. These sort of local partnerships help to grow the church into maturity in Christ. All of our cultures are fallen. So we can learn things from other believers who know what it's like to honor authority in ways that Americans don't. Who know what it's like to show hospitality in ways that Americans don't. And Americans can, look like what it, can show what it looks like to love one another in marriage in a way that a lot of cultures don't have. 
So as we enter into partnership with others from other cultures on the ground, the whole church grows into maturity in Christ. And this is why churches who partner internationally in sending missionaries should care about churches being planted. Because the church is nothing if not a community of partnerships. We go to not just see individuals saved and stay isolated. We go to see churches planted. Where people are grouped together and then can carry on the work of God together in the city. There can be other partnerships outside the church. I'm thankful to God for parachurch ministries and conferences and seminaries. But the local church is the natural God-ordained means of reaching the nations. It is by nature a community. And so as Christians lock arms together, they lock arms together in the mission of Christ. Church, the Great Commission was not given to an individual. It was given to the church. And it is carried out by churches as they send individuals to establish churches, to partner with churches, to see more churches raised up. And in order to reach the, gospel, to reach the nations with the gospel, we need international and local partnerships. We need people to stay and people to go. We need to send and go to the nations. We need people to lock arms with once we're there to see the gospel go forward in ways that we would never have planned or strategized from Indianapolis about. May we steward these partnerships well as a church for the glory of God and for the good of the nations. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are the great worker that you are doing a work now in drawing people to see the glory of Christ. And we ask that you would be working now. The work in the UAE, the work in Chiang Mai, is not stopping because the Humphreys and the Fultzes are here in Indianapolis. Lord, I pray that you would see more and more places reached with the good news of Jesus Christ. As people go and send for the glory of God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.